Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 97. I'm Brooke McCallery, joined as always by my lovely husband, Ben McCallery. Thank you very much. And today is such an awesome conversation. Just, I'm just genuinely chuffed to share this conversation with you. You are, you are chuffed and you're obsessed with speaking to teacher librarians. Turns out that I am. Today I'm talking with Margie Huishler. Margie, I really tried so hard to get your surname right and I hope I did. I even wrote it down phonetically. Uh, but Margie, I think, is the second or third teacher librarian that I've spoken with. Most recently I spoke with Morgan in, back oh. in Canada. That makes me sort of sad to remember that. To remember talking to Morgan or to remember being in Canada no, and just not being, being in Canada, there anymore. Yeah, not being there and how, <laughs> how wonderful that was. It was such an awesome time. Yeah. So Morgan's a teacher librarian at a school in Calgary and Margie is a teacher librarian at a school in Queensland. So it's nice to have a local voice on the potty. Toowoomba. She's from Toowoomba. Yeah, her husband and herself both work at the same school which is quite literally next door to their house. So they've got the best oh. commute in the world. And, yeah, it's just such a, a delightful conversation. You know, we, as you'd probably expect, speak quite a lot about books. Uh, but Margie has just this amazing wealth of knowledge about books on simplicity and mindfulness and, um, you know, slow living and also children's books too. And we talk about that quite a bit in our conversation, but particularly this theme that she's starting to see emerge in kids' books, which really start to draw kids' attention back to the basics. And I think that's beautiful and awesome, um, you know, to, to hear and to see. And rather than list out every single book that Margie mentions now, uh, I'll just point you to the show notes because she's put together this amazing list of I imagine, books. like only and a teacher librarian could. Exactly. Uh, she's books, blogs and other resources. We talk about maker spaces and all these movements that she's really become a, an advocate for. And, uh, yeah, so you can find that, that information over at slowyourhome.com slash 97. 97, wow. <laughs> here's a here's a fun fact okay toowoomba actually means it's the aboriginal word for swamp okay or a variety of melon which grew around that area in queensland you are just a fact knowledge aren't i you are <laughs> i'm so glad um i convinced you to let me have my laptop open yeah. still Whilst usually, recording this intro. I usually force you to close it so that you're not checking your emails. Exactly. Oh, I don't do that. Yeah, I do. Sometimes you do. Yeah. No, but this is just a, a beautiful conversation. One of the things that I, I loved about Margie was just this, she's got this this joy, this contentment that exudes from her when she's talking. And we actually have this conversation about how she came to slow living and simplicity and you know, I'm not going to spoil our conversation, but we talk about finding beauty in the little things. Mm. And that's something that I could really relate to because going back five or six years when I was really struggling, mm. really just at the beginning of this journey and this process, I remember doing something as simple as going out, hanging out the clothes in our backyard at the clothesline and making that a moment of mindfulness. Yeah. And Beauty, like something super mundane that can be quite drudgerish, drudgerish, quite a drudge, and <laughs> <laughs> quite a swamp. Quite, um, no drudge, drudgery. Like yeah, yeah, right. Housework can be seen as drudgery. Drudge. It's a drudge. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> drudge dread. <laughs> yeah, now, that's it. it's all about yeah that single touch because you used to hang up the clothes on the line. And listen to podcasts or listen to music. And you might still do that on occasion. Yeah. But then there's that calmness that you get when you just just hang up the hang up the clothes on the yeah, line. Yeah, and you're paying attention to things like the sunshine. Sun, the birds. Yeah. Because the, the, we're lucky we've got this beautiful big jacaranda yeah. tree in our backyard that, you know, 10 months of the year is lit up in some kind of beautiful colour. Uh, you know, at the moment it's bright yellow. 
and we've got these beautiful blue skies at the moment and it's, you know, hmm. looking up and seeing that is enough as like a shot of beauty. So anyway, all that to say that I just, I really related to what Margie had to say and what we, we kind of get into it in the conversation, but she's just a lovely, warm person. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. I'll tell you what else is awesome. This month's partner brand, Etitude. Etitude, as you guys have probably heard us talk about over the last couple of shows, make incredibly soft bamboo lyocell sheets and other bedding products, but they're ethically made. They recycled their water 200 times. They're sustainable. They're hypoallergenic. They minimize waste, free of any harmful chemicals. Uh, they're eco-friendly and their dyes are eco-friendly. So like in short, this is a brand whose values very closely aligned with ours. And I'm really happy to bring them to your attention. I'm really happy to be working with them this month. I'm yeah. really l- happy to be sleeping <laughs> with them. <laughs> yeah, to put it to put it <laughs> bluntly, absolutely. Softest sheets I've ever felt, to be perfectly honest. So they've been our uh, partner for Awesome August. For Awesome, awesome August, absolutely. Uh, and Etitude have got a, a deal for listeners of the Slow Home podcast. If you head to etitude.com.au slash slow home, and use the offer code SLEEPHEALTHY, you'll get 10% off your first purchase of Etitude sheets or bedding. So, uh, yeah, head over to Etitude and check it out. And it's an Aussie company and they ship internationally. They do. Yeah. They so do. they go. They, if you're listening to this in any of the other six continents, um, giddy up. Giddy up. I mean, the thing is, we spend a third of our life in bed. Yeah. We may as well make it. First of all, comfortable yep. and ethical. Yep. And we need to buy new sheets. And screen-free. And, and screen-free. Nice tie-in there, Benjamin. Enjoy the show, my friends. Maggie, how are you? Hi, Brooke. I'm well, thanks. That's good to hear. It's so good to talk to you. We've kind of emailed back and forth a few times over the past year or so, and it's really, really nice to, you know, actually sit here and have this conversation because I think you have got such an amazing story to share and so many, you know, incredible, or even just from our emails and our conversations leading up to this, I know that you've got so much to share. So, um, yeah, it's awesome to chat with you. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I've enjoyed so much listening to all the podcasts. And so it's great just to be able to um, share my story as well. Awesome. So in light of that, can you tell us just a bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, what you do, that kind of thing? Uh, I live in Toowoomba in Queensland and I've been married for 26 wonderful years to my husband, David. We have two adult children. Uh, Isaac is 23 and he's married. He lives in Toowoomba as well. And our daughter, Rachel, is 21 and she just moved to New Zealand in uh, Christchurch about three weeks ago. So we're officially empty nesters, um, which is a bit strange to have a, a house all to ourselves. Uh, I'm currently a uh, teacher librarian at a primary school here in Toowoomba and my husband, David, he's a teacher assistant. And we're both lucky because we um, both work in the same school and um, and our school just happens to be literally right beside our home. So <laughs> we, <laughs> we walk to work every day. I know it's so it's so funny because by the time everyone else gets in their car, we're actually home. So um, we think that's pretty special to live um, right beside the school. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where we are and what we do. So was that um, just to jump straight into something you mentioned there? That li- uh, working so close to home was that an intentional choice for you guys? Uh, it was more by accident, really, I think. Um, when we first moved to Toowoomba, which was about 14 years ago, I was working as the um, young people's librarian down at the Toowoomba City Library, and David was still home looking after our kids. Um, and then 
he started um, with his job over at the primary school. He was actually in the kindy, um, being a teacher assistant in the kindy. And um, then about seven years ago, I got the job as a teacher librarian there. Uh, our children went through the school. And uh, so, yeah, it just it just kind of fell into place and it was just meant to be, I think. Mm, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Now, I mean, you're a big proponent and advocate for slow and simple living um, and, you, you know, you run an organisation in Toowoomba uh, based around simple living. What was your introduction to the movement? Like how did you first come to, to know about it and then start to pursue a simpler sort of life? Yeah, it's interesting because listening to a lot of um, people that you talk to, book, there was always sort of like a big event in their life or, you know, some, something happened. Well, for me, that didn't really happen. Um, I, I guess for me, my life was a bit out of control in that I was always doing things. I was a real um, workaholic. I was just, I always had to achieve and do and, um, and I guess uh, the big thing was that I was doing, I, I did my, I did my PhD. I was working full time. I was um, had two young children, and like that, had, that had all finished. That had all happened. I achieved all of that. Um, but then I, I read a book, and I guess for me as a librarian, reading books is such a big part of my life. But I, I, I read a book called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And this book outlines a whole heap of different spiritual disciplines and um, some of those included silence, simplicity and solitude. And when I read this, it's kind of like this light just went on in my head and I thought, mm. well, life can be different to how I'm living it at the moment on this sort of roller coaster of doing and um, just achieving and all that sort of thing. I'm thinking, gosh, there, there, there's another way to do this. And that really got me started. Um, and from there, I just sort of read more books. I, I read more things online and, um, yeah, just got really uh, involved in, in sort of how, how life can be different. And it, it took me on such a journey. So that was about, oh, that was probably about nine, um, nine years ago. And from there, it's just been it's been fabulous, and um, the changes that have it's it's been a gradual, and I'm and I still think I'm a beginner, and I'm nowhere near the um, you know a guru in all of this, but I certainly have made changes in my life for the better. So um, yeah, so for me it was books and and reading books um, that that got me started on the whole um, the whole path. Which is very fitting, being a teacher librarian, that that was your entry into it. <laughs> Oh, I know it's pretty, um, yeah, pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> I think, though, you know, sometimes even as you say, a lot of people that I speak to, and myself included, came to this way of living as a result of some big event, like some big trauma or some loss or something, you know, really significant. But I, th- I think the like the common thread with everyone is, regardless of the circumstances, we seem to come to this idea and realize that like you say, we can live differently and then just whether it's right place, right time, or we're desperate for a change, we know that that's, that's the way for us, you know, and I think you're right. That, that kind of light bulb moment is so important regardless of whether or not it's, you know, as a part of a huge catalyst event or just a need to change, you know, when you're thinking, wow, we, we can do something different. We can do it differently. We can live differently. Uh, I think that is such a, powerful moment of like you know looking back you can see that that was kind of the the point of change yeah definitely like I I remember um David sitting on the couch with me and saying Margie you just have to slow down like your life's going out of control and and I say no but I can't I've got all these things to do and how can I stop and you know that you know if I if I don't do this then this isn't going to happen and and it was kind of like this roller coaster and I I remember sort of thinking yeah, I want to get off this, but I don't know how. Yeah. And um, and then yeah, sort of reading these books, and you're thinking, ah, this is this is how this yeah. this is this is a way to do it. And um, yeah, it was really liberating to um, to read that. Not that when I first read it, I still it still took me a long time to sort of understand. Well, really, how how can how can I achieve this? Mm. But then, like, there was a lot of other 
steps that sort of went along the way. So, so from reading, you know, that, that book, then, you know, another book I read was, um, um, like the freedom and simplicity by Richard Foster. So, so that was an, another one that kind of took me on the next, you know, stage of simplicity learning. And then you read things like, um, less is more by Cecile Andrews and then things like radical homemakers mm-hmm. by Shannon Hayes. And, you know, it, and it just, you know, each book I read then sort of led me to the next book, which led me to the next book. And, um, and one big thing for me was reading 1000 Gifts by Anne Voskamp, which is all about Thanksgiving. And I think that was another pivotal, a pivotal point for me when I, when I read about this, um, Thanksgiving and, and Thanksgiving's always been a part of my life, but this became a real focus. And, um, one of her challenges is that to try and write down a thousand things that you were thankful for. And, and it's not just kind of that brush stroke Thanksgiving of, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the world and thank you, Lord, for my food, but really being intentional of looking for the small things, the small gifts that God has given you. And so it, and she talks about being a joy hunter. Mm. So looking around and seeing the joy in, in everything. And, um, so like I started journaling, I started, um, writing down all my, all my, um, thank, things that I was thankful for, and and that was then the ne- another step on the process, and just you know the the joy in the simple things, which I think really, um, yeah, that book really um, um, started in me was just kind of looking and seeing things, and and then from then you're sort of noticing things that you've never noticed before, and you think, wow, look at that beautiful flower, but. When you look at the flower, you see the little dots that are in the flower and then, you know, you, you collect the eggs and you look at the, the colour of each of the eggs and you feel the warmth in the egg as you bring it inside and, oh, you know, all those things, it's sort of just, you know, your eyes are just open to the beauty and the presence all around you and it was just, yeah, it was just that, that joy that's just there that I – I wasn't seeing because I was rushing through life, being busy, doing all these other things, and you just weren't being still and appreciating what was all around you. I think that's such a beautiful, powerful place for people to start thinking about and, and reframing the way they think about simple living because I think it can be really overwhelming. When people say, I'm going to simplify my life, I'm going to slow down, here's this checklist of all these things I need to change in my life, and you think... I can't do that. You know, I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, I'm run down as it is. But yep. what we can do is is exactly as you've just described. Just stop for a sec and mm. look for something tiny and beautiful and you know just revel in it for a minute because it's, you know, it's funny. One of those one of the things that I've found has changed so significantly in my life is I every day when I hang out the clothes, like such a mundane task, I will find something really beautiful outside when I'm hanging out the clothes like I walk past our big rosemary bushes and we put in a new veggie garden so I'm always looking at the growth or the bees or listening to the birds or something like that um you know and it takes no extra time to do that it's just as you say having your eyes opened to that is is really it sounds like such a small thing but it reframes everything you are so totally right um it's just that yeah, you you just see things from a different perspective. Mm. And I think, yeah, like you, you're saying, if you just kind of start because, you, like, you read all these things about all these things you can do and it's just, yeah, as you say, it can be kind of overwhelming. But but starting small, just with something like the Thanksgiving, and um, then that kind of just leads you gently into into the next thing because then you think, okay, well, Look at all these wonderful things I've got. All these simple things, these these tiny things. That's that's all I need. I don't need all these big things, which then kind of leads you into that contentment, and that contentment then leads you into that thought of, well, this is enough. This is this is all I need. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And and I don't I don't need to be rushing and, and doing all this. Or I don't need to go and buy. Or I don't need. I can I can just sit here and enjoy life. As you say that, that with those mundane tasks, like even just washing up is just, you know, if you just 
if you're present and in the moment and just feeling that warm water and just, you know, you're just, you're just there and, um, and yeah, just finding the joy in all of those, in all of those little things, which just, yeah, just changes your mindset. It does. And it's really like the epitome to me of living mindfully. You know, yes. I often talk about mindfulness. It gets kind of hyped up in, in all these different exercises and practices. But essentially to me, what it is, is the, is it's the opposite of mindless, you know, living mindfully is the opposite of living mindlessly. And so often, particularly when we're rushed and overwhelmed and hurried and we're just carrying too many commitments, everything's mindless because we're already thinking about the next step, you know, and Uh, when you just stop and slow down just for a second and you're in that moment of washing up or hanging out the clothes or reading a book to the kids or whatever it is, that to me is, is the epitome of mindful living. Absolutely. And just, and, and finding the joy in that, I think, you know, and just, just cherishing life for what it is, for, for, for where you are at that moment. Um, and, and accepting what is, I think that's, that's another step that comes from that Thanksgiving, I think, because you accept and think, yeah, look, you know, this is, this is what is, this is what's here now. And I'm enjoying it. I love it. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's such a big thing. And I think, you know, from from there, it can move on to, um, okay, well, I'm, I'm content, I'm I'm enjoying life. Well, you know, I don't need all this stuff that's around me. Let's get rid of some of this stuff. And so, but, you know, you you get rid of some of it, and you think, oh, well, I can I can do without this other thing then as well. And and so it just kind of takes you on that that journey. And if you if you let it be a gentle journey, it's not. It's not overwhelming then, yeah, and and you're not trying to do everything all at once. But if you if you just let it lead you gradually, it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful process mm. that um, sort of changes you. Um, yeah. So the it's, irony is that sometimes we want to <laughs> we want to slow down and we want to do it quickly. You know. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> People absolutely. kind of hear about this and they're desperate for change. And they're like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live. I want to get there as quickly as possible, uh, you know, and, and it's just not necessarily the case, you know. As I think yeah. we, it needs, we need to give ourselves time to change our mindset and find that contentment. Contentment actually is a really interesting thing for me because I used to read about this, you know, finding contentment and just living there, not aiming for happiness or joy all the time but just contentment. And I oh. used to really think that that was kind of mediocre, <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like, why shouldn't life be amazing and, and full of joy and beauty in every second? But because to me at that time, contentment was just like, a yeah, I'm fine. It's fine. You know, yeah, but I actually yeah. think that that's where that's where the vast majority of life is. If we're if we're living kind of in a, accordance with what's important to us, because we're just it's just enough. It doesn't have to be extraordinary all the time, but just enough, you know. And when you're, and when you are experiencing those extraordinary moments, you're living those extraordinary moments and that you're cherishing those moments, but you're not then thinking about, okay, well, what's the next moment going to be? Or what, what am I going to do now? Okay, we've done this. What's the next thing? But just, just staying in that moment and enjoying that for what it is, I think is just such a, um, you know, so so powerful, and and something that when you're not attentive, and you're um, when you're always planning, and you're always doing, you just miss those amazing times when you can just sit and just you know just listen to the birds and and all that sort of thing, and just be. And to that was so foreign to me for so long was that being. I thought, how how can you how can you just be you know that doesn't make make sense you've got to do you've got to be doing to achieve and and think no no I I I, I'm coming to the understanding um of what that what that means it's taken a long time but it's yeah I'm getting there over the over that time you know over the last nine years or so what other changes have you guys adopted into your life uh you know over the over the years uh well, for me, um, one of the um, big things is um, silence and meditation. So um, that's sort of about five years ago I started doing that. And um, I think, um, once again, I'm a very much a, still a beginner in the, in the meditation with meditation, but um, that's, that's another slowing down, being still, 
Um, and th- that takes a lot of, it's a discipline. It's yeah. definitely a discipline of having to do that. And I know you guys have kind of explored that, that whole, um, that whole thing. And, um, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a Christian meditation. So it's, um, it's about, um, it's, a, it's a prayer. It's a prayer and it's being attentive to God in that moment. So like that, that's a, that's been a, a freeing thing for me. Um, another thing, um, well, for us, we, um, we become debt free. So we've paid off our house, yeah. um, about a year and a half ago. And yeah, I know it's exciting, yeah. isn't it? Um, uh, and we, we decided then to go uh, four days a week. So instead of working five days a week, we work four days a week. Um, and once again, we are very blessed because both David and I have the same day off. So we both have Mondays off and which means we have, um, we have long weekends and we would never go back to working five days now. It's just, um, we just love it. And once again, it just gives you that space. It's that breathing space um, to be able to do things on the weekend, but then you've got the time then on the Monday to catch up on the, the stuff that you would normally try and jam in, um, jam in on the Saturday and the Sunday. So, so that's been a big thing. Um, but then, you know, we just we just try to take things a lot slower like I I am on nowhere near the same amount of committees and groups and um, I just like I I used to be out nearly every night of the week and I I just don't do that anymore I um, I just don't do that so like if someone says to me you know how how you're going like the normal response is oh I'm a I'm busy well I don't I don't say that anymore and it's genuinely because I'm not busy I'm really not busy and I love it I love being able to just um just do things and um like even when I was trying to rest I would always be doing something and you know it wasn't just the it wasn't just an uh, you know a lot of people like to do something while they're watching tv yeah but you know I I'd pick a a big project that I'd be doing, like um, I did a hexagon quilt. Uh, I hand stitched a hexagon quilt, and um, like instead of just doing, you know, a, a, just a general hexagon quilt, like I had to, mine had to be a, a thousand over, had to be a thousand pieces. Each piece had to be different, um, <laughs> and uh, and then I had to, you know, stitch it all together, and then like the the actual the whole quilt was hand stitched. So even my um, binding around the outside, I hand stitched. Oh you know, gosh. you know, it's just crazy stuff. You think, why do you put yourself through all these things? But you know, you just the pressure and the goal setting, and you know, it's just always that, always that sense of achievement, and you had to, you had to, yeah, you had to achieve. But have you stepped back from that a bit now, like the goal-oriented sort of achievement focus? I, I have, I absolutely have. I, I just don't have that drive to, um, to, to do everything. Um, and I know that some people who will listen to this will laugh and say, yeah, Maggie, but you're still doing a whole heap of stuff. But I have cut down um, on so much stuff and and even, you know, people will say, yeah, you're doing lots, but there's like 10, 10 things that I've said no to um, that people don't even know that I've said no to or whatever. So, you know, there's uh, but yeah, I just don't have that same that same drive, and and I've learnt to say no to my ideas in my head, which is a really big thing because when you this sort of workaholic perfectionist, you know, you, you come up with all these ideas and you think, right, I've got to do this and I can do this and that, and I've learned to say no, I don't need to do that, even though that's a good idea. I can say no to that because I'm doing these other things and I enjoy doing these other things. And I actually think that's really important because that's something that I know a lot of people struggle with. These, like, they have these ideas, these projects, these plans, these goals, these, you know, these, these inklings that maybe this is a better way and they engage, and I used to as well, engage with all of them because every idea deserved my attention and I needed to do it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of having those ideas saying... Oh, okay, that's a that's an idea right there. I'm not going to do you idea. You're just going to stay there, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
that taps into um, meditation practice in some ways yeah. as well. You know, yeah. so I'm very much, very much like a novice, uh, you know, in meditation, but I'm learning to, to sit there and rather than empty my head of thoughts completely, just see that, yes, there's a thought over there and no, I'm not going to engage with it. You know, I just let it drift on by. And I think the same can be applied to, uh, you know, I, ideas and, and plans and projects and stuff like that. Not necessarily a bad thing, but you're saying not now. And I think mm. that's really uh, like a skill actually that, that some of us, myself included, have to practice. You know, it's not something that comes easily necessarily. How did you learn to say no, particularly as someone who is so achievement or was so achievement oriented? When people asked you to be part of a committee, for example, how did you learn to say no? Oh, it's, I don't know if there's any particular way or method. You just have to, you just come to that realisation that you can't do everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, you, you know, someone sort of, you just realise that you have to say no. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, oh, it's, it's just the hardest thing. And, um, like working in the school and as a teacher librarian, like I love doing things and I love coming up with these programs and plans, but I've realized I can't physically do everything. And so you just have to say, you just have to say no. Um, and I, I also, you know, listen to other people now and they say, oh, Maggie, you know, maybe that's, a, you know, taking on too much. You think, yeah, yeah, you, you're right. You're okay, right I have to. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, you know, David's just the most amazing husband and he, you know, he, he kind of grounds me very much. Um, so, yeah, I, I listen to him a lot and um, and learnt a lot from him too. So, yeah, he, it's but yeah, there's no easy way of learning, and I don't. I don't think there's. You, you just learn that you can't do it. Yeah. You can't do it all. Yeah, I think. Um, I, I think you're right. I mean, we can dress it up or or try and trick ourselves into saying it in any way uh, that works. But you're right. When it comes down to it, it's just a matter of accepting that we can't do it all. And I yeah. think so. As you, you know, disengaged from being really goal oriented and and achievement focused, it would have also that would have played into it I'm sure like you're able to kind of put those two together and think well I don't have to do all the things now no that's right you you just don't you don't have that um inner drive you know you just you just don't have the need to do it anymore you know so it's it and it and that's just this gradual process it's this gradual process of everything that you sort of engage with and you think no I'm, I'd prefer just to go away on the weekend with David in our little caravan and and you know to be able to do that I can't be on every committee that needs my attention so you know you you, you your focus changes you know it really does. Mm. I, lo- I love the idea of gradual change and like a sudden realization you know I think it's an Ernest mm. Hemingway quote something about how did you go bankrupt and he said gradually then suddenly that's really interesting I really I really it appeals to me that idea because these changes that so many of us are making you know we 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 almost feel like they're Im- imperceptible you know we can barely even see that they're, that they're happening and then all of a sudden you look back and you think oh wow yeah <laughs> so happened, you know um, so you mentioned your caravan and I want to talk to you a bit about travel and exploring and things like that. So you guys took off with your kids when they were quite young and explored Australia for a long period of time, didn't you? Yeah, well, we went we went away, um, they were seven and nine and we went for 10 weeks around Australia. So, um, but even before then, we we just liked to to go on road trips. So um, like when we lived up in Townsville, we you know, went to Darwin and had a couple of weeks in Darwin or we'd go up to the Cape, uh, uh, you know, up, the, up the north there or, um, you know, we, we lived in Canberra and so we, you know, went to the snow. And so it, it wasn't sort of, um, it was just something that we did and enjoyed. And, and so, yeah, we decided that we were going to do the, t- the 10 weeks and uh, it was the best thing we ever did with our kids. They learnt so much, or they know so much about our country, um, and just have seen places and uh, and and have that joy of being outside. But 
when when we travel, we travel pretty simply. Like it's when we did that with our kids, it was just in a in a camper van, and we went with David's mum and dad as well. And and we just yeah, we just pull up, and you know, we we do the the free camping as well, and. And it was simple. It, it wasn't. We, we try and spend as least amount of money as we can because we didn't have a lot of money. So, but it was just, um, you know, going and seeing places, and we didn't have to go and spend a lot of money in the touristy things. But we went and, you know, just saw the national parks, and we saw, we saw the beautiful landscapes, and you know, and just, you know, the kids enjoyed making mud puddles up in Broome, and that's what they remember, you know. And it's, um, it's just, yeah, that, that simplicity of telling stories around the campfire and so yeah and our kids like we we always go to Fraser Island quite often Um, like I grew up going to Fraser Island on our holidays and we've just continued doing that and you know our kids now love doing that so it's yeah it's that just that joy of being together out in God's creation Mm -hmm. so yeah it's lovely yeah I think it's it's a really important sort of thing to note particularly when you talk about travel, people often, you know, they worry that they don't have the money to have these experiences. And I do think like, we, we travel a lot and we love we love going anywhere and everywhere. Some of the most memorable things that we've done with our kids have been the surprise stops along the road where, you know, we just we find this amazing place. that's not on any of the maps that you had never heard about. And we spend hours, you know, just exploring and playing and and it's completely unexpected. They're the golden moments, you know, and they, as you say, they don't cost anything, you know. And I think, um, yeah, I just think that there's so much for for kids and and parents actually to learn from taking off and you know just seeing what you what you find and what you can can see when you explore together. Oh, absolutely, and I think I think it can be done simply. You know, people don't have to spend so much money, like. Like, yeah, talking about our caravan, like we, we bought this little old caravan, 1987 model. It's, it's 13 and a half foot long. We call it our cubby house on wheels. It's just, <laughs> it's just little and it's old, but it didn't cost us very much money. And we get to go to the same places that people who have spent a fortune on their vehicles and their, and their caravans that they go to as well. But we get to see just the same amount, and yeah, we haven't spent near near the same amount of money. So, you know, you, you you can do it, and you can enjoy it, and you know, you don't have to go and stay in the five star caravan parks. And what we love going to the little country towns and just mm. staying in their in their little caravan parks, or just you know, in their in their freebie sites that they have, and and just. Yeah, we avoid the big cities as much as we can, and um, and you were so right about those little surprises, aren't they? They're just fabulous. They're like the best, yeah. The things that you don't plan for, and you just yeah, you come across and 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 just you know, collecting shells on on some isolated beach that you come across, and you know, just just those fun things. Um, they're they're the joyful moments, and they are the moments that the kids will remember. You know, that's yeah, what they remember. That's something I want to ask you about, actually, because I mean, so you know, your kids would have been sort of ten ish when you started to shift into this slower, simpler way of life. But even previous to that, I think you guys still had that spirit of, you know, simplicity and nature and spending time outdoors together and, and all that. I think that was, by the sounds of it, still part of your life, even though you you were really in like high rev mode. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Still yeah. Had, you know, you still loved to do those things together. Yeah. Yeah, so we did. Do your, do your kids ever talk about, and this is just like a purely selfish question because I'm curious mm. about it. Uh, like mm. about growing up with a simpler sort of pace or a slower pace of life or a simpler home, do they ever talk about the benefits or, you know, non-benefits of it or is it just what they knew and that's that was their life? It's it's a really interesting question and I think they do. They do. We talk about it an awful lot and we talked about it, you know, growing up as, as a family um, quite a lot and, and I think in particular like finances because we, we're not on a big wage and like David being a teacher assistant, he, he only gets paid term time. So we only, we're really only on like a wage and a half. Mm. So like when we, we don't have a big wage and yet like we've managed to pay off our house, you know, and, and 
we always talk to the kids about you know living within your means and 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 when you live within your means you can still do fun things you can still but your your priority is okay well our priority was going on holidays with our family and our priority wasn't having the the latest and the newest of everything else so material things haven't ever been a high priority for us and so you know our kids could really see that okay well we we didn't have the latest but we were able to go and do these other things and they really appreciated that and they can see that now as as young as adults that you know that what they had was really special um, um growing up yeah that's right it was it was a real gift that they were able to do these things and 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 they can see that they now and probably even back then that their life was different to other kids you know that they had these different opportunities but it 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 was it was a simpler simpler way of doing things but yes they really appreciate that and that's you know um, (laughs) my mm. kids are only seven and five uh, but we talk to them in a similar sort of way to you already about you know if they're asking for a toy or the newest thing or whatever the fad is that's going around the schoolyard uh, you know, and we talk about why we don't spend money on that kind of stuff. And we say it's because we we like to travel and we like to do things and take weekends away and that kind of stuff. And we can't do both. And we're choosing, you know, to put our money towards the things that are important. And I think time and time again, this idea of priorities comes up. And it's it's the people who live in alignment with those priorities who are able to look back and say, yeah, that's it. Like we, we did live according to what was important to us. And I think taking the time to pull apart your life and all the different elements and figure out what's the most important to you as a family is one of the most valuable things you can do, I think, because then it just gives you this compass or this foundation of, of what's important and, and every decision, every purchase or non-purchase or, you know, every anything kind of feeds back into this priority of of what sits at the center of your life and I just think it's one of the best things you can do to sit down and work that out yeah I think we we did that subconsciously like we hadn't ever physically sat down and said right these are our values this is what we believe in blah 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 it it was you know this is just what we did this is what we did as a family and this is how we lived and I remember a really good friend of ours saying um gosh you've got a simple life Mm -hmm. and and he 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 was kind of apologetic about saying it because you know he he didn't want it to seem like it was a um criticism or an insult but you know we said yeah we do and we've worked really hard to make it a simple life you know um we've chosen um to to have it that way and yeah like as you say all the decisions that we've made and and it's interesting looking back to to think um, you know, really our, our whole married life, as you say, has has really encompassed that simple living journey but not explicitly and now it, it is explicit, it is, it is more intentional but we've really had that had that as 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 we've gone along and it's as you say it's it's just my mental journey of sort of changing changing my ways um but yeah it's it's a you think yeah yes it is we have chosen this and and we love it and we love what we do and how we do it I can tell just talking to you just how much the joy you find in in you know the the benefits and the result of all that work and all those decisions and all of those sacrifices is the wrong word I think because you did it really intentionally and happily to to just choose one over the other Um, yeah but I can just tell from talking to you how content you are like there's that word again you know it's really beautiful yeah I just want to change change um direction a little bit as a teacher librarian um so there's two things that I want to talk to you about the first is uh in our emails you mentioned that kids literature is starting to adopt these themes of mindfulness and simplicity and you know getting back to to the basics and I'd love because I know we have a lot of young families who listen to the podcast um, you to talk to us about some of the books that you've seen that really kind of tap into this mindfulness and and I can link to them in the show notes anyway but um, yeah is this sort of a theme that you're seeing more and more of? I think I, it's certainly not in, in in all books by any means, but I've really noticed, and maybe it's because I'm more aware of 
the mindfulness and things. But just um, like there's there's of course a lot there's there's a lot of books out there that are written specifically about mindfulness. But I like these books that are where it's become just it's it's just kind of part of it it's not explicit but it's yeah. you know it's just in the story and so there's this beautiful um well being children's book week this week it's uh it's a great um, week for us teach librarians and one of the um picture books that was shortlisted was a book called perfect by denny parker and illustrated by freya blackwood and it's just this gorgeous, simple story about these three children who have the perfect day and their perfect day is just just going and climbing trees and drawing with chalk on the, on the footpath and um, just exploring and they bake a cake and it's just and just the pictures of Freya Blackwood, you just sort of you read it and you just you just have to sort of sigh and go. Oh, this is just beautiful, you know, and it's just those, those messages that are, are in these stories. And there's another one called, um, Footpath Flowers. It's, um, it's a wordless picture book. So no words at all, but it's about this little girl who's walking home with her dad and her dad is so distracted on the phone, but it's this little girl who's kind of, um, as she walks around long, she finds all these flowers kind of in the footpath and they're they're probably weeds or you know other things but she collects these flowers as she goes along and and then she gives the flowers to different people as she goes along as well and it's this kind of it's just this joyful story and when she gets home it it starts out um, black and white and the little girl is has a red um, sort of cape on Um, and so the story is all in black and white but then when it gets to the end it's just when they get home, it's just this full color. And it's just, it's just this heartwarming story and of, um, all about being attentive and, and noticing what's around you. And, um, once again, taking the joy in the little things as, as you, as you go along. So, so that was a, a beautiful story. And there's other authors and il- illustrators like, um, um, Stephen Michael King and Peter Canavis and Peter Reynolds, they, they, their stories are just sort of, um, little, little snippets of simplicity and simple life and just kind of sitting there and watching the stars or watching the clouds go by. And, and it's, yeah, I just, I really enjoy those mm. stories. They're just beautiful. Anything that can introduce kids in, in addition to us, you know, role modeling that kind of, behavior of stopping and paying attention and just being in the moment I think that's super important that they see it from you know as many angles as possible I guess they see their parents starting to adopt this idea of being more present and less distracted but anything that that introduces them to the idea from a kid's point of view or you know in in language that kids will understand I think is wonderful anything that helps kids to to kind of adopt that idea without calling it anything you know it doesn't it doesn't need to be like you know lessons in mindfulness for children or anything like that it's just you know stopping and and seeing the tiny little miracles that are everywhere you know yeah exactly and that's just that's just normal life you know and it's just part of life yeah so it's I I like that yeah thank you for sharing those and I will link to them in the show notes because I think people will be really keen to to check those out of course I didn't even realize that it's children's book week but perfect timing for us yeah (laughs) um and the other thing that I wanted to to talk to you about was this idea of uh maker spaces that you introduced me to I hadn't come across them before but it's amazing you know these these this whole movement of of encouraging kids I guess to become what did you say you said to become uh active creators rather than passive consumers and I just absolutely love that idea and I think it has so many you know implications wide-ranging sort of effects going through life but can you tell me a little bit more about the makerspace that you've set up at your school yeah, makerspaces are, are, are really exciting and they've become a big movement within in libraries. Um, over in the States, they've been around for a little while and it's sort of been filtering over here into Australia. And um, so a makerspace is really a place where kids can come and build and invent and tinker and create and just explore. So you kind of um, have, have the tools and the 
materials there for them to be able to just to to come and there's so many different models of maker spaces but the model that I've um, adopted here is that I run an after school program on a Wednesday afternoon so um, there's it's a six-week program six-week yeah project kind of thing so um, kids can come and there they have five choices and from those five choices, then they, they work, um, they have the same choice over the, the six weeks. And that way they can really, um, develop, um, a project, um, create and design something. And then, um, they showcase it at the end. So with what we do is we try and incorporate within the choices, um, high tech and low tech options. Right. So, um, high tech options might include things like, um, Arduinos and Makey Makeys, which are all sort of programming, um, or microprocessing, um, boards that you can connect to, um, computers to be able to then program. And so there's all this amazing sort of robotic type stuff out there. So we try and include some of those types of things, but then we also include low tech. So we have things like, um, creating, um, cardboard houses and and but then we sort of incorporate the um, electronics into it so that they can do paper circuits to make lights in their house as well and um, but then we've got jewelry making this term and we've got um, um, you know teaching kids how to knit and how to sew and um, but we always try to have like a design element in it. So it's not everybody does the same thing, right. but there's like a bit of a challenge or a, like you sort of say to the kids, okay, I want you to um, design, a, design a cardboard car that um, can, can move along. So then they've got to um, go through that design process of thinking and planning. Um, then they um, build something, but, you know, it's all about um, – failing as well that it's okay to fail and that it's okay to make mistakes and okay that didn't work so let's go back to the drawing board and and it's building that resilience and perseverance yeah. in to kids as well so it's kind of okay so that that didn't work so let's let's try this now and you know and and so it's not really about the end product it's not about what they what they build at the end but it's really that process along the way of how and and giving kids freedom, you know, freedom to be able to explore and, and use these things. But it's also, to me, about teaching them skills, teaching them the skills of well, how to sew. And so, you know, they were making um, felt food, so food out of felt material, but then, you know, the skill of then having learning how to sew because, um, you know, a lot of kids don't know about how to do that or that that sharing of knowledge isn't happening sort of um down through the generations like it used to and so that's an important part of it for me as well so i just there's so much in there that is so incredibly valuable you know we could have a whole conversation just about though all of those elements but you know the idea of failure and encouraging kids to not encourage them to fail, but encouraging them that it's okay to fail. Everyone fails. Everything, like there, there's not a straight shot line to success in anything, uh, you know, and teaching them to problem solve and encouraging and building that resilience. And I think the last point that you made about teaching those those life skills that maybe a generation ago were, were taught by their parents, but I, I wasn't really ever taught those life skills either. And I think we were having a conversation with a friend yesterday, actually, uh, who fixes cars, you know, and he had to teach himself how to do that. It's just a hobby, you know. He buys an old car and he spends years, you know, doing it up and then he'll sell it. But he had to teach himself that. And as a result of that, he's now teaching his son, who's only five, yep. you know, just yep. the basics of yep. carpentry and mechanics and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's really important because that will help us to then you know, going back to what you were saying about you buying your old caravan, if something needs a little bit of work and we have the skills to do it, we can buy secondhand or thirdhand or fourthhand. We don't need to go and buy the shiny new thing just because it all is in working order. And I think that's a whole other side to, to slow living and simple living is using our skills to bring the old back into working, like working capacity, you know, and I think mm. that that's really valuable. Oh, what a cool oh. I know it is and and like yeah you've hit on a lot of things there too like that whole I think 
generations ago that's just what you did you and you had to you had to because you you couldn't go and buy new like you had to fix you had to recycle you had to do all of that and then there was that there's that generation where you know we had more of an income so therefore out of convenience we went and um just bought new or um and, and I think maybe out of convenience, but also because we were too busy making the money um, to be able to buy these things, then, you know, then we didn't have the time to fix things. And, you know, well, who could be bothered fixing things when you could make, you know, when you could go and buy something new? And so there was that period of time. But I think we've really, we turned a circle in the last little while where, We've realized, hey, we're, we're losing all these skills. We're losing this ability to fix things. And like, I, I've, I'm, I'm really fortunate that I've come from a family of, of makers, um, and builders and do it, you know, that doing type thing. So, um, and, and I am so fortunate that David is just incredibly gifted with being able to fix things. Mm. And that's why, you know, we, we rarely buy new, like David, um, David's just in so good about fixing things. But, you know, our, our kids, we have to, um, give the kids the skills to be able to do that and I think it's happening again it really well when you when you look at this makerspace movement and what's happening around the world and make affairs and just that whole you know getting back to basics and learning how to do things it's it's exciting and I love being part of that and instilling it but you know, when you, when you see kids make something and you see the light that comes in their faces and, you know, it's not just kids but adults as well, but, you know, these kids and they make something and the joy, that joy of making and that sense of accomplishment, you know, that they've made something and it's, it's just, it's so wonderful, wonderful. Um, to be there, you know, and to be part of that. Um, but, you know, also with makerspaces, what we're doing is um, we incorporate a lot of people from the community. So we, we had a photography workshop. So we had um, five members of the Toowoomba Photographic Society came and taught the kids, this, this small group of kids. So there's about six kids in the group. So, you know, to in, this, this is all about mentoring and role modeling and saying that yeah this there are people out there who are doing all these things and and showing them that this is this is something that you can do and something that you can achieve um and so just exposing the kids to all these different different things um so yeah it's 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 a great opportunity um and just something I love. No, I, so. think, I think it's fantastic. And the kids at, at your school are super lucky to have you. <laughs> that's, seriously, I think that's fantastic. But just before we go, um, I did want to ask you about your, your organisation, um, Simple Living Toowoomba. Now, is that kind of the adult equivalent of a makerspace in terms of passing on, uh, you know, skills and, and that kind of thing to, to adults who are interested in learning about them? You are so right. I hadn't <laughs> thought of it in that way, but you are exactly right. Um, yeah, well, that's exactly, yeah, we have um, workshops once a, about once a month. And um, the whole idea is that we are encouraging people to, you know, pass on their knowledge. So we often just get not experts in their field, but just people who are, who have done something themselves and have said, yeah, okay, look, I can, I can share this and then, and then pass it on. So just, um, this Saturday we had a cider and mead workshop. So a lady came, um, and showed us how to, you know, to ferment, you know, um, cider. And, and so that, that was exciting, but we had like beekeeping earlier on in the year. So we went to someone's place who's a beekeeper and he showed us that. And I'm really excited because from, from that, um, David came to that workshop and um, we're going to get bees. So we're getting bees um, at the, uh, in October. Um, it is. But, um, but we also, like, you know, we do gardening type things, but, you know, encouraging people to um, make instead of buy. Mm-hmm. So to be able to make their own sort of health and beauty products or home cleaning or learning to make sausages so we we've had so many different workshops so but that's you know it's all about that simplifying getting back to basics 
trying to break that consumerism cycle. So, you know, and it's, yeah, it's all about just encouraging people to live a simpler life. Oh, that's fantastic. I'll include mm. some more information about uh, about that as well in the show notes. But I just want to mm. say thank you for, first of all, your time, but also for what you're doing, you know, like in the community. I think it's, a, it's going to have really far-reaching impact um, beyond just what's happening now. I think you're encouraging kids to, to learn and engage with those skills. And then you're also encouraging adults to learn and engage with those skills. And I think it's brilliant. You're doing an awesome thing. Oh, thank you very much, Brooke. I just, yeah, I, I love it. I, I love it, and I and I think that um, that sense of community. I know you've talked about community a lot on your podcasts, and you know that's that's a vital thing, and that just being able to um, share what you love with other people. So um, it's yeah, it's really really good, and I enjoy oh, it. It's brilliant. You're doing an awesome thing. Thanks so much for your time, Maggie, and I will chat to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, just as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, today's episode is brought to you by Etitude. Their super soft, eco-friendly bed linen is absolutely worth checking out because it's eco-friendly, it's ethically made, it's sustainable, uh, and they are giving you, as a listener of the show, 10% off your first order if you head to etitude.com.au slash slow home and use the discount code sleephealthy. That's attitude spelt with an E. <laughs> Check <laughs> FM for your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.